0: Good morning, everyone. We'd like to welcome you to Sunday service. A special welcome to those of you who are visiting for the first time, and those of you who've joined us from the surrounding area, and also to our online uh, guests. So um, my name is Swami Anandi. This is Nayaswami Bharat, and we're very happy to be with you today. This morning's reading from Rays of the One Light, which are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita by Swami Kriyananda, I found this an especially touching and beautiful reading. It's, it's called <clears throat> Truth Invites, It Never Commands. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Free will is a basic principle of life. God never coerces. He invites us to live in such a way that we find fulfillment in ourselves. If we refuse to live rightly, Paramahansa Yogananda taught, God simply says, I will wait. We have eternity to live. In that eternity, we live as we choose in self-created darkness, a darkness as intense and as long-lasting as we choose, or in the infinite light, the true self, which is God. Jesus Christ in the Beatitudes offered a beautiful example of God's way of inviting mankind to seek perfection, not by commanding, but by offering his human children the incentive they need to choose the right of their own volition. Blessed are the poor in spirit, Jesus said, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In each of the Beatitudes, Jesus explains the blessing attendant upon observing it. The divine way similarly for each of us is not to do violence to our own natures. Spirituality must be attained naturally. It can never be attained by force. The Bhagavad Gita says in the third chapter, Even the wise behave in accordance with nature as it is manifested in them. Of what avail then is suppression? The scripture then goes on, however, to explain that this doesn't mean we should surrender to the dictates of our lower nature. Rather, it emphasizes our need to aspire to the heights, but each of us in accordance with his own nature, and not in imitation of anyone else's, offering ourselves up for purification by divine grace. Desire, whatever form it takes, so the Bhagavad Gita explains, should be resisted, even if only mentally. Attachment and repulsion to sense objects, both of these are universally rooted no one should accept their influence. For verily, they are men's enemies. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind.
1: Good morning. I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity. These are mystical poems and, uh, by Paramahansa Yogananda. This is Demand for Fervor in Divine Love. Teach me, O Spirit, to love thee as wholeheartedly as a miser loves money. Make me attached to thee as a drunkard is addicted to wine. Teach me to cling to thee as erring ones do to their bad habits. Teach me to be as attentive to thee as a mother is to her child. Teach me to perform my duties diligently with my attention fully riveted on thee. Teach me to love thee as the worldly man loves his possessions. With the first love of true lovers, teach me to love thee. All the great saints, they uh, had tremendous respect for uh, the devotees' free will. Yogananda uh, really worked with, people, worked with people in really unique ways. Often he was very, very cryptic. And sometimes he would tell somebody something, and it was actually different than what he wanted them to do. Uh, and they were supposed to, through their own intuition, try to gain uh, what that uh, sense was. You know. Uh, We have to learn through intuitive experience. Uh, You know, Master, he called uh, his religious work, self-realization, because he wanted it to come from within, uh, inside of people. Sri Yukteswar said that uh, our um, understanding of a truth has to be understood, not only in the mind, but through our whole being. And that's when we really know. And so Yogananda really worked at that with the disciples. There's a humorous story when Swami is very new with Master. uh, It was his first time he was ever alone with Master, except for when Master accepted him. And it was at 29 Palms. And uh, uh, Swami had learned the the Om technique and uh, uh, how to practice it. And uh, Master was sitting uh, outside by the garage at his desert retreat there at 29 Palms. And uh, 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 Master asked Bernhard, Uh, to go get something in the house. And Swami thought, aha, an opportunity with my guru. I can learn something, anything. Uh, And so he, uh, but Master is very quiet, just sitting there. And so uh, Swami, to break the ice, said, um, uh, what does om sound like? And Master, uh, without looking at him, he just went, "Mm," and then was quiet again. And Swami was uh, uncomfortable in this quiet. Uh, And he, to further break the ice and probably sink himself further deeper (laughs) into (laughs) into the lake, uh, he said, well, uh, how do you practice the technique? Uh, Without saying anything, uh, this time, uh, Master just went like this. (laughs) And that was it. And you know, Swami didn't realize at the time that uh, Master didn't allow people to talk. Uh, they were to be in silence, and that they were to, uh, you know, commune with him inwardly and receive his blessings. You know, Master uh, was, uh, as I said, very cryptic in the way he talked with people, and, and he would also allow things to play out so that people could learn from their own personal experience. And and then that way, um, you, you have, uh, you know, it's more real because you have this thought. I, there's so many times growing up here at Ananda with Swami, uh, I would, in my mind, I would like be going somewhere. <laughs> and Swami, is just his stillness. Uh, he would just like bring me right back and I would kind of puzzle, oh, what, where was I? What, I? what was I doing? I think we've all have had that experience. Well, the, so, uh master would just allow people the freedom to just really find out where they were and what are the results. Uh, We had a very uh, fun time years ago with Inanda High School, the the boys. uh, We went on a snow trip, and we were building snow caves, and Duane uh, was one of the students. And before the trip, I told him that when you build your snow cave, uh, to uh, make your platform that you sleep on level, it, it was very important. Well, they were digging their snow caves, and they were so excited, and they were, you know, making their own uh, adaptations with their snow cave, and they were excited to go out and uh, go outside in the area. And I had told them again, make sure the platform's level. Well, they didn't listen to me, uh, and I think it was after the third time I thought, well, uh, I can't say anything more, and so I, I didn't say anything, and so everything was fine when the snow was soft and their sleeping bags could stay on the platform of the snow cave. But after a while, it, it was uh, maybe 20 degrees, it had frozen solid, it was like a slab of ice, and their platform was tilted towards the entrance of the snow cave. So all night long, uh, they were trying to hold on to the edge of the snow cave, but then finally they'd go to sleep and they'd just slip right out. <laughs> they come out, and it was snowing outside, and they'd kind of be out of their sleeping bag on the snow, and they'd crawl back up and kind of hold on again, and then they'd slip right out again. And afterwards, I didn't have to tell them to make sure the platform <laughs> is level. And, you know, we, uh, we have to learn to, through personal experience. Otherwise, uh, we don't really, really know. And then we're, we're motivated when, uh, once we, uh, we can really see the ramifications of a certain kind of behavior. If everything is told to us, uh, then um, we go, yeah, yeah, uh, sort of like the high <laughs> school students, and then we go on our merry way. But once we really learn, we really know. You know, uh, God is seeking us, as Master said, more than we're seeking Him. And as, as the reading, uh, Truth Invites, I was thinking of all the different ways that God comes to us. I mean, we could list uh, uh, until the cows come home, but, but in some simple ways. You know, we don't really see God so much. Uh, sometimes we have, uh, you know, experiences the way that on the physical plane things come together. We, we see that all the time in the inner joy we feel. But, you know, just, but God is a God of spirit, and he's working through our spirits. You know, just the mere chanting of Aum. Uh, devotees have taken or, uh, pictures of the auras, and the whole body is filled with light. And you know, every time that we go to sleep at night, God takes away our physical body and says, "You aren't a physical body, and aren't ruled by physical limitations. Uh, you're you're the soul, and we we have freedom from the body every night." I had just read uh, uh, yesterday. Uh, uh, Again, uh, where Swami was talking about with the, the practice of Kriya, actually, he, he said it's working more on our astral bodies than our physical bodies, because we have currents that uh, the, the energy rises and uh, outside the spine, and it descends on an energetic level, and that causes the physical breath. Well, in the Kriya, we're equalizing those two currents and making them very still, and the energy goes in a directionally up towards the spiritual eye. And so, when Master said, you can change your destiny through Kriya, he was is, he is talking about really changing a more subtle energy body that we have that influences all our physical uh, experiences. And if you change that, that more subtle reality, you change your physical reality. Well, also, Swami said, this is what's very fascinating. He said that when the Guru comes to the disciple and gives them a divine blessing, Uh, his astral body enters into the devotee's astral body. And it's the guru's magnetism that uh, interacts uh, with our astral being. And that's how we get spiritually magnetized. And uh, the guru is changing, enlivening our consciousness uh, with his consciousness, but he's not uh, dominating us in any way. He's just enlivening our own higher self at that time. And so there's so many different ways that God is coming to us uh, all the time. And uh, we just need to be more and more open to that. You know, uh, Master said that uh, it's the great light of God that teaches the soul that when you're in that light, um, you understand and you master everything. And uh, and, and how, how do we bring that light in? Didn't Christ say, when thy eye be single, uh, the body will be full of light? And when that means the eye be single, it means that uh, the energy is flowing through the spine up to the spiritual eye. Uh, the two eyes are the eyes of matter, uh, of duality, uh, but the eye of spirit is the, the single eye here. And so, to, uh, you know, uh, great saints have said, in an instant, you can learn truths that would take you decades or a whole lifetime to uh, ponder. I had read when I was writing uh, Deep Nature Play, how Maria Montessori said that a young child can learn, I think it was in three years, what it'll take an adult 60 years to learn. Because a child has that natural openness, and so they can learn. Well, just imagine, you know, um, when you're in superconsciousness, Uh, I was always struck by uh, when when Swami said uh, that Babaji is listening to these incredible symphonies that if he ever wrote them down and presented them to the world, people would be agog and amazed, Uh, but they're just passing through his consciousness all the time uh, because God is ever new, joy, ever new inspiration, and that flood uh, of inspiration is always uh, passing uh, through him. Well, every God attuned soul that is happening uh, to them as well. You know, uh, God wants us to um, see creation the way that uh, we see, uh, the way He sees creation. Uh, being spirit, He's not uh, influenced by vibratory creation. He has created it to manifest all of us so that we can all feel His joy and we have to have uh, a, a some independence in order to see ourselves in a distant relationship, and, uh, and so that we can, uh, you know, as Swami said that, you know, the soul uh, progresses through um, uh, great effort. And uh, there's a, a really interesting story about uh, this uh, Russian psychologist. He was talking about two uh, Russian girls. When, when one was five years old, the other was seven years old. And these uh, girls were sisters. And they um, played together sometimes. Sometimes they ignored each other. Sometimes they fought with each other, uh, and this, as siblings will do. And they said, but children, a lot of their actions are unconscious. They just sort of do things. Well, one day the children decided that they are going to play at being sisters. And so they dressed alike, and they started to talk alike, <laughs> and they moved alike. And uh, they started putting conscious energy in being sisters, and they thought of what is the most ideal form of sisterhood there is, and then they tried to live that way. Well, it wasn't the fact that they were biological sisters that made them better sisters. It was that intentional action on their part. Well, we are all children of God, and we get out into Maya in delusion, and we sort of forget (laughs) our origins, and we're a little bit unconscious. And the whole spiritual path is a way of just deepening your intention uh, of what you want to achieve, what you want to attune to. Uh, And and the more that you do that, the more you regain that sense of divinity that we have had all along. But it takes having, going through that whole drama and having that intention. Uh, Without it, we would just be a par- paramecium floating in the ocean, and just drifting uh, through life. Uh, the uh, delusion is very, very strong. And uh, I, I, uh, Master said that God is the greatest magician. And uh, because he makes what is uh, uh, unreal seem awfully real. And I had an experience of that. I had read this uh, quotation in his Patanjali lessons. And it was a night where um, it was Masters Maha Samadhi and uh, I was supposed to be partaking, leading the, the ceremony with the McSweeney's and the Nandi. Uh, but I was at home and I had a, a, a really high fever, 103 fever and I had the chills and I had a sleeping bag and a down coat and insulated pants and a uh, stocking cap and I was just shaking so much and uh, and thrashing. And, And I remembered what Master had said about uh, God being the greatest magician, (laughs) because He's making this seem awful real. And I just started laughing. (laughs) It was just so riotous. (laughs) Uh, And uh, and you know, maybe our consciousness isn't always where we can just transcend illusion. Jotish said that very. uh, You know, only Swami is the one that uh, only one he really knew that could transcend uh, things like that. But we can all accept it deeply or we can all see through it and we can laugh at it. And that's an incredible gift that we have because we can stay uh, removed from it uh, where it doesn't touch us. And uh, there's, um, you know, we have to, you can't, Master said, don't be fanatical. Uh, because you can't go past your level of realization with it that this is just a dream, I don't have to uh, pay any attention to it, because it's going to come back to hit us. But if we have that consciousness where we can make more subtle divine laws work, uh, then we can ignore things. Uh, and, but, it, but it has to be a gradual process. There's an amusing story of a woman that was uh, in a counseling session with a new thought minister. And uh, the minister kept saying, he didn't say honey, but he said, it's all in your mind. (laughs) Uh, And and it's all, it's just in your mind. And she got so frustrated uh, that uh, that's all that he said and her problems are big problems and real problems. So she took off her shoe and she just hit him on top of the head. And he goes, why did you do that for? He said, what's your problem? It's just in your mind. But, you know, um, I was thinking about, you know, a vibratory creation. You know, it, it's, uh, Swami said that uh, all vibration, um, uh, for it to be centered and not helter-skelter going in different directions, it has to have a center. And that center, uh, like Swami said with uh, doing hong sa at the very pause in hong sa lies the Christ consciousness. And it uh, lies that stillness. And uh, if we can get to the heart uh, uh, of any reactive experience we have, regain our spiritual center, uh, then what we can do is we can calm uh, the vibratory creation. And uh, Swami says that actually outer events start to adjust to our inner control when we find our spiritual center uh, within. And it's only through that stillness that we see through delusion and that we aren't subject to delusion. Uh, Masters said that when we tune into the ohm vibration, the cosmic sound, uh, that we aren't touched by anything in vibratory uh, creation, and we can actually manipulate all vibratory creation. Uh, and so uh, we, we just aren't touched uh, by a lower reality because we're experienced a higher and attuned to a higher reality. And so, um, this is the way to uh, really see through um, delusion is, um, you know, every time our thoughts are God-centered, we're feeling that God is the doer, we're attuning to the guru. Uh, When we go into the stillness of meditation, we're getting in touch with our spiritual center and away from the reactive process and more and more that comes into the devotee's life. And we've all experienced that, haven't we, where we just aren't caught by things that uh, we would have been before we came onto the path. Uh, And there's just this tremendous amount of freedom. And it just grows stronger and stronger and stronger in the devotee's life. Yogananda, he, he said that um, love is the most, it's the highest, most sublime uh, principle in the universe, and uh, there was a a man who introduced Master to a London audience. Uh, he was uh, actually he was a great devotee. He started the World Council of Faith uh, about, and he just felt this incredible bliss uh, all the time, uh, and. Uh, he had an amazing experience uh, in the Homo, yes, And I'd like to read his words. It was after 15 months, he was the leader of expedition. And uh, he, as the leader, he had many responsibilities. And uh, they were going to uh Hossa, And one evening, he left camp uh, alone. And the sun was slanting on the hillsides. And it was just a vibrant peace all around him. And this is what he said. I was, free to relax, uh, I was free to let my soul relax. I let it open itself out without restraint. In its sensitive state, it was receptive of the finest impressions. I had a curious sense of being literally in love with the world. I felt as if I could hardly contain myself for the love which was bursting within me. It seemed to me as if the world itself was nothing but love. Master said that all people, the whole world, the whole universe, is attuned to this cosmic, eternal, harmonious love. And this is, I think, why Swami spoke so much about the importance of kindness. And he saw that that was his his job, really is to, to give people that love. You know, Master, And when he was talking about Christ and could have called down a host of angels uh, to protect him, uh, Master said, I, I too have that power and I could call those angels as well, but I prefer working through love because of that, that power of that love, the way people respond to it because they their inner being resonates with it. And we know that You know, whenever Swami would uh, speak to us, most of us here uh, remember many precious times, and and maybe uh, you've heard his his talks, even if you didn't meet him in the body. Uh, But just that quality of love that was flowing through him, you knew that he had your highest interests at heart, that he was honoring that, and sharing that and awakening that in you. And d- didn't we all, we, we just all become more open to him because of the way that he was and sharing that, any words that he spoke or any look that he gave. And this is just so, so important uh, to, uh, to have, you know, when St. Francis talked to the three robbers, they were terrorizing the district and the uh, district was, uh, up in arms, and they appeared at the monastery, and they needed help because the whole uh, people, the villagers, were all looking for them, and uh, they wanted to find sanctuary. And the, the the abbot that was in charge of that place drove them out and said, "How dare you be here?" And uh, they went away cursing the abbot and God and everything else. And when Francis came, the abbot, uh, you know, just uh, said, "Well, these." sinful uh, robbers came here, and I drove them away from this house of God. Uh, And uh, instead of scolding the robbers, uh, Saint Francis scolded the abbot, didn't he? Uh, And he said, you go take this food, and you look for those robbers. And uh, you ask that uh, Brother Francis wants to see them here. And when they came back, Francis talked to them and said, you know, you don't enjoy living this way, the way that you do. And, you know, each of those brothers became uh, saints. Uh, And it's because of that kindness that reached out and they could resonate uh, with that message. You know, as I was uh, preparing for this service, I was thinking about how um, often we get impatient with other people. We want them to change and they don't change. Uh, Jotish was talking about, how many of the world's problems are a result of us wanting other people to change and uh, people aren't willing to make that change we want them to make. And, uh, and then I thought about, well, God, you know, he's a pretty uh, patient fellow. You know, sometimes he's waited for five million lifetimes uh, for a person to change enough uh, to seek him. And as Master said, God says, I will wait. Talk about patience. (laughs) And um, what allows God to be so patient? It's because he knows that we're perfect right now, that we're a child of God now and forevermore, no matter what happens to us. And as I said earlier, he's not caught uh, by his uh, vibratory creation. And he, and he knows that we aren't caught either. Uh, people think that, how could God permit this? Well, he knows on our deeper reality that we aren't touched by it. Uh, we are only learning by it. On Monday, I had a chance to visit my acupuncturist in, near Berkeley. And he's quite a, a prominent acupuncturist and he treats a lot of Buddhist uh, lamas, and uh, and a lot of people go to train with him. And he was telling me a story about uh, working with this woman, Lama, who uh, was passing, uh, transitioning. And uh, she had a lot of things going wrong with her body. And he was reading her pulse, and he was trying to help her in any way he could, relieving her suffering and making it easier. And there's a certain point just before, she transitioned; that she had a perfect health, representing perfect. Uh, uh, you know, it's just a perfect pulse, and it. Re, uh, you know, and and that was her soul pulse that had been there all along, and that uh, was sort of hidden behind all the different things that were happening to her body, and it's the same way with us as we go through life. Uh, we can be touched if we identify with the outer reality. Uh, But we can be free if we uh, identify with our inner reality. And, you know, the more that we identify with the inner reality, the more patience we'll have for other people, uh, the more compassion and understanding, and the more we'll be able to help them because we'll be able to give them the kindness of love. And the more that we'll be able to help master in touching them, and awaking their hearts uh, to God. Bless us all.
2: Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth blessed who Blessed are the merciful, for they shall